1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
3: The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Put him in the hall. Put him in the hall of fame. Parkinson Spiegel, Killer wreck. rack. Tilt it and a foul.
4: We're going to crank it up nonstop.
1: The near sideline of the front court. Foots jumping up and down. And a pass to MB3 front range to the left. He'll launch for three. Back rim, no good. Rebound, Caruso. And the Bulls have done it. They've stunned the Sixers and ended Philadelphia's winning streak at six as the Bulls beat the Sixers 108 to 104. Absolutely terrific played game. Bulls really had control most of it. Never uh, defensively held. <clears throat> Philadelphia under 30 points every quarter except the last. Philadelphia makes a big run, but the Bulls hang on. I mean,
4: really impressive win for the the Chicago Bulls. 108-104 over Philadelphia, as you heard right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score last night, Zach Zayman filling in for Chuck Swirsky last night. The Swirsky will be back for the Bulls. Next game, but that was just a fantastic victory for the Bulls, who are now eleven and seventeen. You could start to think about the possibility of the Bulls maybe being a playoff team. But let's get all the insights and opinions on the Chicago Bulls team with the guy who is with the Bulls every day of his life, basically. That's Joe Cowley, sometimes beat writer for the Bulls. He joins us on the guest hotline, presented by Circa Sports Illinois. What's going on, Joe? How are you?
5: That would be a horrible life if that actually was true.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's the life. You've been living the life for a long time between the White Sox and the Bulls, man. That's the Yeah, this
5: is year I think I did you know, twelve years White Sox, two years column, and I think this is year twelve or so Bulls. So yeah. yeah. I
6: didn't oh, well, I, I didn't know about White Sox Cowley. I I was still oh, yeah. living elsewhere during that stretch. Okay. So you are uh You've been through the ringer a bit.
5: White Sox Cowley was a complete ass. Everyone (laughs) hates him.
6: (laughs) By comparison to Bulls, Cowley just being like Santa Claus. He's Mr. Positive. (laughs) That's right yeah
4: I, I loved White Sox, <laughs> Collie. We can get into that another time,
6: yeah, but we might need to.
4: but I guess I guess Joe, there are reasons for positivity for the Bulls and let's start with just last night's game before we zoom out to the bigger picture with the Bulls and Zach Levine and all of that stuff. What was the most impressive part of the Bulls game for you last night because there were a lot of good things that happened last night.
5: Yeah, I think it was that they didn't fold when when Philadelphia ran them down. Um, In that third quarter, um, you know, it could have been one of those nights where they just let go of the rope. Um, They didn't, you know, they believe in this young wave of talent for the first time in, you know, three years, it's actually showing itself. um, And it looked disastrous at the beginning of the year. It looked like, you know, Arturis really swung and missed on almost every draft he made. Um, Now there's at least a little life there. Um, You know, obviously Kobe White was a Gar Pack's pick, but, you know, with Patrick Williams specifically. Um, So, Yeah. And and then that last possession, just the the way they played that, I mean, that's the perfect personnel. That's how you wanted that executed. You knew it was going to be pick and roll with Maxi and Embiid. You knew you wanted Caruso to disrupt that, that screen and and, and that pick and roll action. He did that. You knew you wanted Vooch to be able to sink back in time and recover and and help build that wall. And then for Kobe to step up as that key piece of the wall, then DeMar to box out and get the rebound. I mean, that's, those are the little things that they've overlooked in so many bad losses the last two years. And to execute that defensively, just like you needed it executed was perfect. And to me, you know, that, that kind of summarized that game is when they needed that big stop, they got that big stop. And that came after Jimmy Butler ripped their heart out when they didn't get that stop and they didn't double team. And they didn't do the right thing two nights earlier. So that shows me a group that is learning is being coached and is listening to the coaching.
6: So, They've won six out of their last nine. With LeBron and the Lakers set to come to town tomorrow. Now that we are seeing this this enhanced version of performance and production and togetherness from the Bulls, does, does this recalculate anything for, for the brass, for for AK, for Eversley, and just in and what they may try to do to to try to get the most they can out of this season?
5: No, because I think the plan was, you know, the plan the last month has been move off of Zach, if you can, whatever assets you get back, you know, obviously they would love to do it sooner than later. They would love to do it close to the January 15th date when rest of the players that signed contracts over the summer are eligible to be traded because then that will give them about 10 to 12 games. I think I counted it out. If they could do it right on January 15th or sixteenth, right around there, they'll have uh nine to 10 games to kind of assess. Okay. This is what we look. We know what we look like without these extra assets we got back for Zach Levine. Let's get a little taste of what it looks like with these, these extra assets. So then they can decide, all right, now do we approach DeMar about a contract extension or do we go ahead before February 8th when the trade deadline comes and goes and move DeMar and, and, and rebuild this a little differently. So that's the big decision. Now that's all great on paper, but you need a dance partner in that. And right now, the dance partner is not being found on the market. There's just, there's no market for Zach Levine. And it's not to say that people don't covet his talent. They just don't cover it on December, what are we, 19th, whatever today's mm-hmm. date is. Because yep. it's too early. It's too early in the game. With the play-in, that, that allows teams to feel a lot better about themselves than they should. So, you know, the, 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 the trade talks are going to drag on longer than probably the Bulls are comfortable with, but they don't really have a choice. And the problem in all this is Zach opened up his mouth and, or his representation opened up his mouth and put it out there so early yes. that you kind of damaged your own, your own um, trade value. And, and I still don't understand why they did that. The only thing I can think of is they're telling younger teams that might have gotten involved, don't bring Zach in because he can be disruptive. And so if you think you're getting 26 points a game, great athlete, great guy – that's no longer the case. You're getting a guy that has shown early in the season he could be disruptive, and a young team doesn't want that. So I think it kind of pushes him towards the Lakers or pushes him towards a team like that. That's the only thing I can think of. I don't know. Zach's not talking about it. You know, no, you know so it, it, it's hard to say, but the, the timing of it and the idea behind it I thought was really poorly done.
6: And, I mean, I've heard you talk through this before because it's not like Zach is James Harden. <laughs> he hasn't been some malcontent throughout his career that's right. been difficult to be around and makes everybody's lives miserable all the time and orders himself out of town over and over again so I mean right. that, that that scenario there I mean is it I, I don't know I mean it, it feels like it would it would be maybe painting Zach in a light that that he hasn't shown throughout a pretty lengthy NBA career at this point. No, he's an
5: unbelievably great guy. That's why this the timing of it was so bizarre and the fa- and how he handled that press conference. And then a couple days later, how he handled the PR incident with, with, with Beth Esler when she was trying to get him to do an interview. And he, like, flung his arm and, and blew her off. And that's just not him. So that's why I wrote a column saying, you know, this guy, is he, he's not a villain. And trying to act like a villain just comes – he's a bad actor. It's just not him. And so I don't know why he's doing it. But I mean, the thing that the 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 slap in all of this is we could talk about what a great guy he is, what a great athlete he is, two-time All Star, all this stuff. But what we're seeing on the court without him is a better band brand of basketball with this group. Right. And that's the big issue. And other teams are seeing it too and going, wait a second, you've had this is year ten of the guy. He's won one playoff game in his entire career. And now he's got this lengthy injury. You have this new wave of talent coming up with Kobe and Patrick and, you know, some of the other guys and the bench that they built. Um, why would we want him? Because we're seeing a guy that's empty calories. Hmm. You know, that was always the knock on him. And now we're seeing that. And so, you know, their offensive rating has been better. Their defensive rating has been better without him. Their pace has been, but everything, every number you want has been better without Zach Levine. So, Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And the other thing, too, that people haven't, you know, when I was against this this max contract with him, I wanted him to come down off that number. I wanted him to stay, but I wanted him to come down off the number. But once you go to clutch sports, that's just a dream. That's just me dreaming. (laughs) But the idea that, well, the whole market's paying guys like that, so you have to pay them. That's dumb. The whole market, there's a lot of dumb GMs in the NBA. Washington. I mean, you just go around the league. and I had history on my side because you never pay a two-guard who's one dimensional and go anywhere. When he's your most expensive guy, you're never going to go anywhere. It's a history of the league. So, and then and the other problem is this new CBA is brutal when you hit the first and second apron penalties. So the, the idea of teams just, oh, well, he could be our third max guy. That's not happening anymore. You just, you can't afford the, the cap hit and, and the, the damage that comes from that second apron. So this is going to be real tricky to get him out of town. And I don't know if, They really want him to stay anymore after what they're saying.
4: Yeah, I mean, it is a better brand of basketball, and that's kind of where I was going with this. Do you think, Joe Cowley, that other Bulls players have bought into the idea that they may may be better off without Zach Levine, or do you think that they hope Zach Levine comes back?
5: I know they bought into it.
4: (laughs) I mean, you, it, it's,
5: you don't have to guess. I know they bought into it. They're, this is a bread of, just All their quotes, look, they all like Zach as a person. They all think Zach is a good teammate. I mean, he's not DeMar DeRozan leadership teammate. But I think to a man, they also know that the ego has changed in Zach. And Zach is just not a high IQ basketball player, especially late when you need that DNA and you need that clutch gene. He just doesn't have it. So, I mean, I could sit there, I can name seven to ten DeMar DeRozan moments over the last couple of years. You're like, I, I challenge people to sit down and name me five great Zach Levine moments. There's Charlotte and there's the second half of Toronto in the play-in game last year, and that's it. And, and it, I mean, what does that tell you about them? So, I, I just think, to a man, I think the coaching staff knows it. They're all trying to say the right things it will be interesting if they don't move him and he does come back from this injury, probably right, right around mid January, maybe even a little earlier in January. If this team, is he willing to now fit into this team and say, Hey, I've sat back and watched this thing and I want to be a willing participant. in What's going on here. Or does he come in and say, I got to get mine. I'm clutch sports. I'm this. I'm that. That's going to be the, the the interesting thing because I don't know if he can help himself besides besides being like that. And that that's look that's going to be interesting if they can if they can fit him into this thing and not drop back.
6: And that's what I'm I'm curious about, Joe, because this version of Kobe White has been in there somewhere. I, I have a hard time assigning it. And I'm not saying that this is what you're doing, but I have a hard time assigning it completely to Zach, like his presence has just squashed the potential that we're now finally seeing realized from Kobe White. Right. I feel like there's some agency that Kobe White could have taken prior to this to to emerge in this way, and frankly, Billy Donovan. I think it's one thing to, to be a strategist in the NBA and to say, here's what we could have done, and here's what we should have done, but you know, I, I wanted him to get into Vooch, and for some reason they didn't. But you're the coach, Billy. Tell them to get it to Vooch because the offense has operated better through him. You're seeing Kobe every day in practice, Billy Donovan. Why don't you tell them to run some sets for Kobe White? So that's where I I do. I I agree with everything that's happening with Zach looks cleaner and more fluid and more collective. But I'm wondering why isn't there a version of this that can work with with a talent like Zach Levine having diminished usage in, in a full system where everyone is now performing at a higher level.
5: I, I would agree with you to a certain extent if there weren't so many damn fingerprints on the weapon. And and the, the reason I say that is I go back and I look, Lowry Markinen, his best basketball was when Zach Levine was hurt for that month. His best basketball as a bull was when, when Zach Levine was hurt. Uh, Chris Dunn, his best basketball was when Zach Levine was not on the court. Um, you go to, Ah, uh, His best basketball was without Zach Levine. I mean, there, there's so many kind of fingerprints on this thing of, of going back to you know five five years ago. And what what I think happens is Zach is such a bad shot creator, and because I mean he he could hit any shot. He could fall out of bed and hit mm-hmm. any shot. And I think he's such a an easy scorer that you kind of. It's just like a, almost a pickup game where you're like, I got this dude. I know this dude could score whenever. So you kind of subconsciously become kind of a bystander if you don't have that. I'm coming in. It's my team. Like Ant came into Minnesota and he said, Cat, you are soft. This is my team. His takeover was immediate because that's the way that dude is wired. Patrick is nowhere wired like that. I don't think Kobe's wired like that. He's a little more wired like that than Patrick, obviously. But when you're, like, playing with these veterans, it's just kind of hard to find what's my niche, where where can I – when that guy's gone and you don't have an ego guy, because DeMar is not an ego guy. We saw what he was in San Antonio. And Vooch is not an ego guy. And when you take that ego out of the equation and you have guys that are kind of playing for each other and don't care who scores and all of a sudden aren't feeling slighted if they get pulled out of a game like Zach did in Orlando last year, um, or – aren't getting the defensive assignment they think they get, like happened earlier this year in Toronto, where Kobe kind of pushed Zach towards the guy and said, no, no, I'm guarding Schroeder. Um, so when you don't have that, it's just different. And guys have a, a different sense of freedom and play with the, with, with the freedom that they don't have when, when he's out there. And it's not necessarily his fault. I mean, it is to a certain extent. But Billy's not a uh, uh, put-the-hammer-down type of coach. He's a veteran-friendly coach. And that's always been the knock on him is that he, he's, he's hard on the young guys and it's almost a little country club with the veterans. I think there's some stuff that probably goes on behind closed doors that we don't get to see. But as far as what we see on the court, he's very, very country club with the veteran guys. Um, so, you know, I, I, so I, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but if I didn't see so many fingerprints over the years of guys that just seem to play better when Zach is not playing that, that mm. night or is limited in minutes – then I'd agree with you but I I I just is just too, like I said there's just too many fingerprints on it.
4: I love what you're saying about DeMar DeRozan and you know wanting to be a team player and doing whatever he has to do because you look at you know last night Kobe White 24 points, 9 assists, 8 rebounds. Vooch had a terrific game last night, 23 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. And there's DeMar DeRozan, 15 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds in the game. Would, would DeRozan be comfortable in a, in something like that every night where he is the, the third-leading scorer or let Kobe White be the guy? Would he really be comfortable with that long-term with the Bulls?
5: He's been trying to tell those guys, be the guy. He's been trying to – I mean, that's why Patrick goes out to L.A. and trains with DeMar, and Kobe goes out and trains with DeMar, and he you know, goes to I.O.'s jersey retirement uh, ceremony <laughs> in, in, in Illinois. He's that guy. He wants all these guys – you know, his whole idea is I don't have to be the highest wave in the ocean. I mean, to make this thing float. And, and, and that's his mentality. And I think he learned that in San Antonio. I don't think he had that in Toronto. He needed to go to San sure. Antonio and play with Pop and have that ego kind of put in check. At the end of the game, there's still a, a – DeMar, I think, I think he's tried to give it to Zach. There are a lot of instances where he tried passing the torch to Zach. And he just knows Zach just doesn't have that killer DNA to finish a game. I thought yesterday Kobe should have been given the chance to finish that game a little more than DeMar gave him. There was a little bit too much ISO and that's why I asked Billy about it after. Um, But he also has a track record of finishing games. And so I think, you know, until, you know, it's almost, you know, six one way, half a dozen the other. Do you allow Kobe to get that DNA by giving him a chance to finish games or do you just say, we need to win this game, and I know what I can do, being DeMar DeRozan, so I have to finish it? I think in that instance yesterday, I could see why DeMar's like, it's the Sixers, this is a huge win, this ball's staying in my hands, and I'm playing ISO ball. So, um, But I think overall, how he would want it to be, I think DeMar would love the idea at the end of the year if he's 15 with 6.7 assists a game. I honestly think he would get a huge kick out of that. And every, you know, and the young guys are continuing to play like they are. Because to me, that would tell him, the work I'm investing in these guys and the care I'm putting into these guys off the court, it's working. They're buying into what I'm teaching. And that's what the dude loves doing, man. He loves raising other people. So um, that's why the contract extension is on the table. It's not because of his play necessarily. It's because you're buying the package of leadership to help this wave get to
6: the next level. So Debo is the Jose Abreu of the, the current Bulls. There insert. you go. Yeah, I like that. It's a good parallel by me. Um, Kobe <laughs> White, what is, what is Kobe White playing himself into at this point?
3: Yeah. I'd say,
5: you know, I mean, you, you're, you're going to hear all-star talk. I don't think he's there yet. Uh, I don't think the sample size is big enough. Um, but even like, you know, Phil, you, know you can hear – because Philadelphia, you sit right where a lot of the people are and a lot of the media, and you're hearing the fans. I think they've probably noticed the box score of Kobe White the last couple of weeks, but I don't think they've sat down and watched Bulls basketball. And you could hear the fans going, damn, Kobe White. Don't really? <laughs> stop Kobe. I mean, so <laughs> when you're starting to hear that now, that, that tells you a guy is coming. And so, and even when you watch how teams are playing them. If you watch that second Miami game, Jimmy Butler was on Kobe White early on and closing him out hard. They didn't even want him to get going from three-point range. And it worked in the first half. And then, you know, to Kobe's credit, he stuck with it and got hot. And that's the evolution because Billy Donovan even said yesterday, in the past, here's how I know why Kobe White's different. This is Billy Donovan speaking. He said, in the past, if he would have been shut out like Miami did that first half, he would have been done for the game. Hmm. That's it. And he goes, I'm not. And he goes, I've told that to Kobe, so I know he won't. He might not be happy that I'm sharing that with you guys. But that tells me the growth plate that he's taken to that next level where they made it. They made you the game plan and they executed their game plan by shutting you down and you didn't turtle. You still came out that second half, looked for your opportunities, found your opportunities because they had to switch the defense around to some other guys that was starting to hurt them. And then you became a problem for them. So. When I see team, a team like Miami throwing Jimmy Butler on you, you're starting to ride, bro. I mean, that's just that's just fact.
4: <laughs> that's respect, man. Joe, great stuff as always. We appreciate your time. And next time, uh, Big Ant and I are on, maybe we just uh, do an hour's worth of old-school Joe Cowley, yeah. White Sox beat writer. You all tell, right. you just tell all the stories for a couple hours. Sign me up.
5: Oh, I can do that for a couple hours easily. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Talk nice to you Joe. soon, man. Uh, you guys have a good night. Yep, that is uh, Joe Cowley, sometimes beat writer for the Chicago Bulls.
6: White Sox
4: Cowley. Yeah, oh, that yeah. That was because,
6: you know, we, we lived a bunch of different places over a bunch of different years, so we've just been back here in the city for right around since we've had Bulls Cowley. You know, right around that same time as how long we've been back in the city now. So I missed Sox Cowley. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry I missed You've that. you got now.
4: a Cowley blind spot. Someday, yeah. someday yeah. we'll sit you down and right. tell you all about it because it was very entertaining. <laughs> when we come back... Jim Miller was on the Bernstein and Holmes show earlier today. He said something very interesting about Justin Fields that I really want to get your take on, Big Ant Anthony Heron. I'm Mark Rode. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670. The Score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Mark Wahlberg's here.
3: Chicago, we love you, baby. Come on. Afternoons on The Score. Fields looking. Backside pressure. Fields
1: spins away. Going the other direction now. Fields on the run. Throws for the end zone. Connect!
4: But give Justin Fields the credit there. Heck of a play by Justin Fields in the Bears 20 to 17 loss to Cleveland this past Sunday. <laughs> somehow found the space, eluded the pressure, and found Cole Komet in the end zone. And that's you know, that's the tantalizing side right. of Justin Fields. Or titillating. Yeah, oh titillating. Absolutely. That's the part where you say, yeah, I definitely want a guy with the that. Ability. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to be a little better. Yeah. Just a little better. Yeah, more that, consistently. Yeah, a little yeah. bit more consistent. Jim Miller um, today, the, the former Bears quarterback, had a critique of Justin Fields. He was on with Bernstein and Holmes today. And the in summary, the critique is Jim Miller questioning the prep of Justin Fields in some cases. Take a listen to this.
3: I would drill into the quarterbacks. They better know their protections. I mean, it should light up uh, you like the the movie A Beautiful Mind where you see – I'll give you a case in point for the Bears as an example. They played Minnesota. They open up in five wide, so it's empty. All right, so you only have five offensive linemen. So if they bring six, you're hot. It should light up at you. On the first play of the game, Justin Fields gets sacked on a scripted play. That's to me, that's, that can't happen. And to me, that's preparation. To me, that's studying because, you know, and I'm not saying this to, to come down on, on Justin, cause I think he's a fantastic player and he's got the tools to be great. But I, I question the preparation because he made the comment that I just want to play free. You play free when you're prepared, you play free when you've got all the answers. Okay, it's because you can't get sacked on a five-man protection, and they bring six. It should light up at you. You know what's coming. You know it's Brian Flores, so it's preparation. If you prepare, the game is easy, and you are able to play free. That's Jim Miller right there with some pretty
4: strong words. There was a obviously a recognition issue right there with Justin Fields now I don't know if it's fair or correct to say that that's a lack of preparation or is it just a lack of recognition or is that both what say you big Ant?
6: well I mean, you go into that game against the Vikings and you, you know what Brian Flores is, is going to throw at you you know there's going to be this this all-out blitz package we so... talked
4: about it all week
7: exactly <laughs> we leading about...
6: into the game yeah. and then after the game like that's the first snap of the game why would you do that now there, there are supposed to be blitz beaters that, that are built into all of these situations. And, and Luke gets it, you know, to even, you know, support one of the points we were talking about a bit earlier. He did at some point after that game, uh, it had to be been the following Thursday, I guess, as you, usually when you guys get Luke. Correct. But yep. He ended up describing that Justin was supposed to have like a slight sprint action that was associated with that to sort of sprint away from the pressure, the blitz that was coming from there and get the ball out of his hands. Now, the issue that many of us who evaluate that situation also took with it though, in addition to going empty, because I'm I'm not an anti empty guy. I think in, in doses, it it makes a lot of sense to try and defeat the blitz with that. When you have a quarterback who sees it quickly and gets it out and is accurate in those situations, anticipates all those other things. But even with any quarterback, you got to be able to mix it in. You don't want to do anything strictly at all times, but that card Blasen game was the route there. And that was the main read that Justin had. Now, in theory, if Justin does sprint away from the blitz and he doesn't like, which he didn't seem to like what he saw with Kari Blas which is why he held the football. But then that means while you're sprinting, you have an additional moment just to either dirt the football or throw it into the fifth row or something like that. But that was a scenario where, you know, in, in preparation, I think Justin was probably fine as far as what he had been maybe prepared for in that moment. He didn't execute it properly to the point that Luke Getzey has made, and that I I think that was one of the examples of times where Luke Getzey said like, "Here's what was intended; <laughs> it wasn't yeah. executed as it was called." So that that's that's not one that I have as much of an issue with Luke Getzey as as others in the idea of empty. I think the idea of empty has gotten a lot of heat. I, to me, the volume of empty, and then the personnel who are out in the route tree is is where you know I would probably take issue with that situation.
4: Yeah, and I, yeah, and I I've talked about you know my like the my supposed love of Luke Getze. and you know, all the know, simpletons out hey, there, all the simpletons, all the things folks keep...
6: wearing dunce caps just listening in to this station. <laughs> Who they think they are. I think
4: I'm carrying water for him and I'm <laughs> protecting him. That uh, and Getsy is my guy. Getzy. Actually, I gotta get out of here early. He's picking me up tonight. So <laughs> yeah, dude, we're, we're doing we're doing our Christmas night tonight. <laughs> right? yeah. You got the holiday party with Getsy? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Are, gonna, are you
6: gonna get the flu? flow gonna, going? to
4: get the oh yeah, I gotta slick the hair.
6: Yeah. I'm, I was so disappointed when I showed up tonight, man. Cause I've I've heard it described a bunch, yeah. but I haven't actually seen you. In flu smoke, this is the version of Grody I'm accustomed to seeing. This is how your hair (laughs) normally looks. I was coming in expecting (laughs) you to look like Gordon Gecko, and then I got Mark Grody.
4: What happened was I I did have some slick going this morning. I had a thing I had to go to, Um, and then I had some time to kill here, so – I went to the Starbucks in the building, did a little bit of work, and then I decided to go over to Tower 2 and do get a workout in. Okay. So I got a 30-minute right. sweaty run-in. And so I had to, you know, take a shower and do all that kind of stuff. And then I realized, I while I had a change of clothes, I did not have a, I had no product with me, no comb, no nothing. Luckily, there's deodorant in those in in our gym, so I was able to do that (laughs) and moisturize. What's up with spray spray deodorant? deodorant. not just rolling
6: on after somebody else you never met rolled on before. Right, right. So.
4: So this is basically what you're seeing here is towel-dried hair. Um, I just did not have the means Mm. to do the flu's hair. And I feel like every time now – I don't do my hair as Matt Eberflus. I'm disappointing every person in my path, whether it's you at Hallis uh, Hall. Right? I mean, one day I walked in there. I took a day off of the flus, and there were people from the Bears who <laughs> were saying, "What happened? What happened?" And one of the things too that I was slightly worried about is I didn't want people to think that I was, or, or I didn't want Matt Eberflus to think that yeah. i was, like making fun of him yeah, or right. doing like a Halloween costume. Right, that
6: you were doing a bit. No, uh, that was not yeah. doing
4: a bit. One day I woke up and just as my hair's getting longer so I said, I'm just going to slick this thing back and uh-huh. just let it ride and see what happens. And I walked in there. Every reporter was like, oh, my God, you look like Matt Eberflus. It was not what I expected, but it made sense. And, you know, I looked at myself from certain angles. I said, yeah, it kind of does look like Matt Eberflus.
6: <laughs> do you think when Flus looks at you in a, in a press briefing at some points, he's looking at you like, you know what? I see myself in my room. Yeah, he's, he's not <laughs> – He has has not
4: said anything about it yet. Like I said, other people in the organization Mm -hmm. have, Mm -hmm. fellow reporters. But I guess I'm not in his – I guess I'm not right in his view during the press conference or Mm. something. There's some sort of breakdown going on that Matt Eberflus is not – appreciating the hair and i'm running out you know what i mean like if i can't you're running out of product
6: uh, you use it all use it all your gel
4: i really wanted to ask him about maintenance you know Ah, what i mean i was like what do you use to keep it like that Uh, throughout the day because i put headphones on and the flu's flow starts like heightening so Mm -hmm. i yeah i don't know i i i'm sorry Sorry you should be. Like, yeah. I had
6: high expectations when we showed up today. It's been a few weeks, I think, since I've seen you in person, yeah. and this is what I get.
4: You've been hearing all the hype been about it. Been hearing
6: all the flu hype.
4: Yeah, mm. I walk in and uh, absolutely nothing. <laughs> well, so. if your
6: prediction comes true and he's back as head coach next season, <laughs> then <laughs> next <laughs> Halloween you can go as Matt Eberfloos, and then it oh, will just all come full circle that at that point. That
4: is a great idea. I guess there was a Bono impersonator. Out there who... At house? No, like going to local restaurants in the area. Uh, I should be more... I, I fancy myself a music guy, and I don't know the details mm. of the story, but I guess like he looked, he was so convincing that that people were asking for autographs and is things like that. Is that who like that.
6: models his hair after? Well, no. But so I, are you almost doing a Bono impression? No, no, with no, no. no.
4: I believe okay. that I could, if I really did it correctly, mm. I could probably put on some coaching clothes. You know, uh, yeah. I could go yeah. out and be Matt Eberflus. <laughs> but is it safe? On these streets, if I was to play the part of Mad Eberflus, I don't know if I'd want to be a a Bears head coach who is right now hey, what's uh, his record? Yeah, 5-9 and nine, okay. um, and has not been particularly successful <laughs> with the Bears as a head coach. Is that a safe move for me in public? I don't know that it is.
6: Oh, I'm, I'm looking at the fluce flow on social media right now. It's oh, you very floocy. It? You found the flooce flow. It, it is very flucy. Yeah, so I'm yeah, glad you asked I that because
4: a lot of texters were asking too. I guess <laughs> <laughs> Twitchers too who have been watching the show. Uh-huh. And, are probably and just, simpletons. Yes, yeah, so, the, uh, the simpletons.
6: <laughs> the only people who are the See, now i got to <laughs> explain it again. You no, know, you don't. The so simpletons- all they got to do is rewind the Odyssey app, and they will know why Mark Grody thinks they're simpletons. What was it? Hour number one? Sure, I believe it was. Let's go hour, with that. Hour. that. was like
4: minute number one. It <laughs> was
6: really early in the show. For all didn't you take simpletons long. out there! It did not take long. Yeah, they well, came at groats, they, and He came back got personal, with authority. That's
4: right. They, they, you got personal on me, so I got personal on you. They got the horns. They, they yeah. came at the bull. <laughs> you get the horns. Yep. Uh-huh. That is correct. All right, I have seen both Hubarkish. Wandering the hallway. I saw Hub. I saw Hub. I saw Gabe. Okay. I saw Gabe. He came in. You into. got Gabe
1: Ramirez sighting, too. I saw Gabe uh. Ramirez. That's uh. right.
4: He is your guy, Sean Sears. He is. The, he's a guy. Wow. <laughs> wow. No, I love Gabe. Wow. Gabe
1: knows I love him.
4: You too, man. <laughs> I, I do love the healthy tension that because you two... Both still subscribe to you. Love the Cubs and hate the Sox. He loves the Sox and kind of hates See, the Cubs. The funny thing is, like, I don't hate the White Sox. Really, I don't takes, believe you. He just
1: takes everything as like a shot at the White Sox. He oh, does you said that about the you start? I always try to start it. I'm just like, all right, man. I oh
4: yeah, he does project the light. He hears like the sl-
1: the slightest slight.
4: That's the life of a Sox fan. That is the life That's of a Sox. Yeah, but little, I don't I... little brother syndrome. Hey, it's tough, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe you, Sears. I believe you hate the White Sox. I, I do. I. do I don't. Think. They're not like my favorite team, but I don't, <laughs> I don't hate them. Okay, <laughs> okay.
6: Not sure. a big Jerry Reinsdorf fan, but you know it sounds okay. like White Sox fans aren't either. So, so and Buterbaugh get along so well in there? I yeah. mean, I'm assuming they're getting along. The Buter, oh, we like each other. We're yeah. friends. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, you guys are actually. So you guys missed it. Together. Tyler was giving me noogies earlier. <laughs> okay.
4: <laughs> you know what? I do love you too. As long as they were like, deserved. I'll, if you earned them, then. When I was sitting out in the hallway getting ready for the show, you guys were in a production studio, and I just kept hearing like Beavis and Butthead laughter coming from that studio. And I'm like, I love these guys, man. You guys are like your own little act in the hallway, and I do appreciate it. We like to laugh. You know, yeah, we have a good time. You guys are hilarious. I love it. Uh, we will bring in Gabe Ramirez. And Hub as long as they are game for us. Get some extra work out of them. Yeah, they will be hosting from 6 <laughs> to 9 tonight, so we will transition with those two next on the Parkinson's Spiegel Show on the score.
1: Would you like some fries with that? I thought Gabe kind of carried the show. He did. What a voice. God.
3: God, 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 God.
4: Sears is already after Gabe. This is a hit and run. That's what it is, because... He's he's up out of here in a second. Um, Thank yous to Chase Daniel, Peter King, and Joe Cowley for being on the Parkins and Spiegel show. I'm Mark Grody along with Anthony Heron. it's always a blast to work with you. I Fun times,
6: man. Every filled time. the
4: shoes of the boys today from two o'clock until six o'clock. Thanks to all the textures too. We did not get to many of the texts, but we we read them all. Aka simpletons. Yeah, yeah. Some of the, the simpleton. I didn't exactly appreciate that, but um, the Bro- those kind of, in here
6: lashing out tonight, man. Yeah, just a little bit.
4: Yeah, just
2: a little bit. Folks yeah. are trying to, yeah. trying to come for groats. Yeah. he wasn't having it. Yeah, nope. Broats, nope. Broats doesn't like confrontation like that.
4: <laughs> well, I, I don't, and no. I don't and I don't do it well. <laughs> But he's, I think- he's
2: nice until you you you, you 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 take him off his course. Yeah, man. you take me- him <laughs> You know, yeah.
4: that is, <laughs> you know that game. Yeah, and Hub can relate to what happened to me. Like, if you defend somebody... Like, I was, def- to some degree, l- defending some of what Luke Getze does. Some of what Luke Getzi does. And that means that he I'm... He called
6: car- Luke Getze the greatest offensive mind <laughs> in Sir. the history of Western it's, it's,
4: civilization. And, which means, if you defend him, I'm carrying water for him. I'm sucking up to him. So I've been getting all of that from people. With Like, like <laughs> yes. that I'm, pr- I'm protecting Getsky. him. I'm sure you've gotten some of that hub through the years.
7: I have, because I've probably been not protecting, but defending Luke Getze more than you have.
4: Mm.
7: He's a football coach. All these fans who think they know what they're talking about don't have a clue, (laughs) you know, and these are the people who are, you know, criticizing Luke Getze. I don't know if if Getz is is a good coach or not. You know, I, I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's good from what I've seen so far, But I I know that he did a lot to earn that job. Mm -hmm. I know he knows a lot more about that job than me, let alone all these other people who are criticizing. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing this for 45 years. And and I'm just tired of it, you know? The same thing with the the firing flu stuff, which I heard you guys talking about about 15. It was so stupid when people started talking about it. Like week three or whatever? The Bears weren't talking about it. Nobody was... uh, The guy's in the second year of a rebuild. It's not just a second year. It's a rebuild. He's actually... Doing a pretty good job. They're just not winning as many games as we would like them to win. And and I want somebody to show me what bad call he made or what he did to lose those three games in the fourth quarter. Those are on the players. I'm, I'm sorry, and I don't mean to get at the players because I think the players are doing a good <laughs> thing. Right, right. right. I think the players are, are improving quickly. You know, uh, a lot of Some of them I'll get after because they deserve it. Yeah. But but all this going after Getsi and Fluce drives me nuts, you know, because in the middle, well, they're past the middle now, getting mm-hmm. towards the final part of the second year, really the first full year of a rebuild, because they were just tearing it down last year. Last
6: year was a teardown, yeah.
7: I think they've done a pretty decent job. Not at not all good, but a pretty mm-hmm. decent job. So the, we'll see. The what team happens.
6: is definitely getting better. There's no doubt about that. One of the points I made, I kind of started it in transition. I know, uh, I, I assume it was Connor O'Donnell who put it out there. I retweeted it a few minutes ago. Just that the Bears, and no one has covered the Bears more than you have over the years, Hub. Regardless of, and it feels like it is more likely than not the Bears would move on from Justin Fields and draft a quarterback in the first round next season. My concern is that the Bears, and you would imagine Kevin Warren, Ryan Poles, that they're trying to put something in place to make sure that whomever the quarterback is that they draft will, will be properly developed. Because there, there are teams around the league that I was, I was just, a, you know, with a, some folks on social media, kind of going back and forth about some of this a little bit. But Seattle has won at a pretty high level with their last several quarterbacks and several coaches. Dallas is always in the mix, even before Dak Prescott and Tony Romo and Troy Aikman. We're talking decades of certain franchises that just continue to win at a high level. Like Green Bay, yeah, you can point to Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for 30 years. That explains Green Bay. And it's probably more than that, but you can at least simplify Green Bay. San Francisco? San Francisco? Even before Shanahan was coaching them, San Francisco was winning pretty consistently at a high level, Harbaugh and prior to him. So there are franchises in the league that just get this right, even if they don't have, like, we drafted that one guy that solved all our issues. It's usually, as far as I can tell, not as simple as just drafting the one guy that solves everything is my observation.
7: You know, you probably need a franchise quarterback to win a Super Bowl but you just need a decent quarterback to get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And, it, yeah, I've been doing this 45 years, so I've seen every bad quarterback. And, and, and there's been a lot of bad offensive coordinators <laughs> as <no>. well. <laughs> All right. yeah. and, and I will tell you, and, again, I, I love Justin Fields as a person, mm-hmm. and, and I love him as an athlete. Mm-hmm. He's not an NFL passer. Now, that doesn't mean he won't become one. Uh-huh. You know, it's still not over, You know, two and a half years or whatever you want to call it. But the, the, the things that he has not shown yet, are the biggest problems with a franchise quarterback. He's not able to read the field. He he doesn't make decisions fast enough. And the one thing nobody talks about that I think is, is, is almost as big as his problem reading the field, his accuracy is barely average. His accuracy is not good. And, and you look at that game Sunday, and you look at the throws that he missed, he hits those throws, they win that game. Mm. It's not about something Floose did in the fourth quarter, mm. you know, and, and so that's what we're living with right can, now. Well, had something to that's, do with that, yeah, too. That and, was a was a great that was a great, was a great yeah, throw. Yeah. Tunyon dropped the ball. That's also early in the game when it's still developing. I'm talking about in the second half. Go back and look at how many bad throws he made yeah. in the well, second half. Well, fourth
4: quarter's been a problem. Fourth yeah. quarter's yeah. been a big problem you for know, Justin Fields.
7: And, and, and it, it's just a weird situation, guys. Because everybody loves him, mm-hmm. you know. I love him. I, I would love to see him make it. Yeah. But that, but our job is to tell the truth about what he's doing on the field, mm-hmm. and what he's doing on the field isn't enough to make it yet. So right, and I, I
6: think if if the Bears didn't have the number one pick in the draft, then I think it would be easier to look at it and say he is a he is a developing quarterback. I, I think all three: you know, Matt Eberflus, Luke Getzey, Justin Fields. I've said this to Gabe several times in recent weeks. I think they are all getting better at their individual jobs than they were before. But what is the rate of improvement? And and that, to yes. me, is the, the difficult question that will need to be answered by Kevin Warren, by Ryan Poles, because of what this offseason will bring and the potential there.
7: I have a whole different take on this than anybody else I've heard so far with this part of the discussion, mm-hmm. is I would trade the first pick because I'm going to have – the fifth or sixth pick and I don't think Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in this draft mm. now I've, I've watched a fair amount of him I haven't watched enough to make a final conclusion mm. I haven't seen enough of him. I, him I'm not sure about yet but I do know who I think is going to be the best quarterback in this draft and he's definitely going to be available at five or six or seven Michigan quarterback? Quarterback? I, I, what I would do oh. it, I mean now and I fortunately I don't do it because yeah. it would probably be a mess but I, I would trade that first pick get a bunch more to fix to everything else and then with the fifth or sixth or seventh pick or whatever it is take the guy that I want How and I have now, had, done
2: this show before, so now, I, I just,
7: know the answer to the question. Just to clarify,
6: I read, if, if we're talking Jaden Daniels in the top ten, no, I'm like, alright,
7: J.J. McCarthy? It's J.J. McCarthy, isn't
6: it?
7: Well, I'm not allowed to say that because I'm a Michigan alum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I projected
4: that on you. I just said the Michigan and, quarterback. And, that,
7: and that's why I try to never talk about him. Uh, but also uh, because I'm a Michigan alum, I've watched every uh, game he's played right. three or four times now. Yeah. He is the closest that I've seen in this group to the style and type of a Patrick Mahomes or even more importantly, a Tom Brady who's been training him for two years, you know? Okay. And, and so now again, we'll see what happens in the next game because yeah. I, I read something today that really disappointed me. 10 people who I trust all picked the Michigan Alabama game and they all picked Alabama, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I, yeah. I don't know if they're right. I'm not right. saying they're wrong, right. yeah. but, but you know, They're talking about McCarthy's numbers this year, but that's because of their run game and because of the offense that they're running. It's not when he he's thrown the ball. I think better than most of the rest. So we'll see. You know, guys, this not we go to the combine. Mm. You know, and then you get another two months until the draft. I'm not sure what the rankings are going to look like at that time, but I think the Bears do have another option here, which is that you do trade the first pick, like you were saying mm-hmm. earlier in the show, and you load up everywhere else. And then if, if you think one of the other guys besides Williams or May is the guy, you can get him with your other first round. <laughs> you can do both things, you know? And so I can't wait to see... You know how they're going to develop these five or six quarterbacks. Who if they all come out, all could go in the first round.
4: That that is hubarkish I expect to be hearing a lot of Bears talk oh, tonight. Oh yeah, I can't keep
6: talking. I might call in because I, I okay. do wanna, well, no, I don't no, have a I chance mean, to talk JJ to McCarthy you. you know how I point. am about the clock. You yes, know, it's I know. Here, the, there's a show yeah. starts at six. They're going to be late on their already. Show and the, yeah, right. yeah,
4: yeah. You know how these guys are, and I know Gabe. I'm thinking about you What's because. I don't know if Zach Levine's ever going to play for the Bulls again, and I know that you love Zach Levine, but I also know that you predicted that the Bulls would be in the playoffs, and this was about two weeks ago. I yeah. think I heard you say that.
2: I said, that, I said the Bulls are going to be in the playoffs. I knew they're going to be playing well, but I also knew that they'd get something in return for Zach Levine okay. that would then, you know, obviously make their team that much better. And if those people are high character guys that could buy into okay. whatever it is, so you've that they're dealt doing. with it. You've dealt with it. <laughs> it. I deal with it here at the score when I walked in I to deal with some low character yeah. guys, and I was like, oh, I can lift these spirits up. You know? Yeah, no, no, well, but. I I do think yeah. the Bulls are going to make the playoffs. They were playing good. Yesterday was a good game. Yeah. Team, so good. I mean, not that, the, not that the Sixers were playing hard, right? Let's not forget, they got to play them back to back. And be, they're a little banged see up. See what too, they do right? in, next, I mean, in the next game against
4: yeah, the yeah, Bulls. Yeah, but they came out on fire. I mean, Philadelphia looked like they were going to win the game in the first quarter yeah. last night, and the Bulls, they responded. not only yeah. did they it's erase the a unit. double digit lead, they took mm-hmm. a double digit lead. The second
2: but, unit of the Bulls is that, is that good, where it can match up with any team in the NBA with Andre Drummond the bigs getting all the rebounds and then you got Alex Caruso playing well. I mean they they, they got a really good second unit and some guys that are playing hard right now. So, Man, yeah. there,
6: I feel like there's been so many different examples in recent years where you want to talk like Boston or Denver or Utah or San Antonio like the LA or any LeBron team really when the ball moves the NBA is just prettier Golden State is the the best at it over the past decade. I don't know why Zach wouldn't want to step into what they're doing right now mm. and, and try to fit into I, it. Like, I, it. Just logically, that would make sense. Right, but and,
2: I think Zach only knows how to play one way, right? He's only been on bad teams, right? So he knows how to be the man, right? Devin Booker dealt with that in his whole career, like mm. even from high school. He was always on bad teams, didn't win state championships, but he was putting up 40, 50 <laughs> points a game, right? So it's like, how do you adjust your your style of basketball to then complement those around you? Listen, if you're in the NBA, you're good. You can shoot. Mm -hmm. You can shoot threes. You can do it at a higher clip than 99% of the people in the world, right? So when you're playing a team style of basketball, yeah, you're going to be able to perform well. But when you're a superstar player, the way to mesh in, I mean, how did Jordan do it? he let his guys eat in the first quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to facilitate. I'm going to get Vooch down low. I'm going to do this. And I know in, in the fourth quarter, when mm-hmm. I take over, that's why people uh, like DeMar a lot, right? Because he does yeah. that.
4: So. Phil Jackson famously did tell him to pass the ball to Steve Kerr <laughs> at one point in time <laughs> late in the game. All right, before that's Heron takes up more of your face. show, yeah. what what do you guys have uh, coming yeah. up tonight?
2: Uh, we got some Alex Shapiro at 820. We got yeah. Cody Westerlin coming on nice. at, seven, at eight, 8 o'clock right before that. And then we got uh, – we got uh, another special guest at uh, 8 o'clock. Ed okay. Smith is going to be hanging out with us. It's I cool.
4: will be listening on my drive back to our town, Gabe. To, to, to <laughs> Chicago Gabe in Chicago or, or Oak Park Gabe in yeah. Oak Park.
6: Oh, and now. and G&G, yeah.
4: you and I, I believe, are on tomorrow afternoon. Yes, I think that is afternoon. the case. So yeah. I look forward to yeah. that. Hub, it's always good to see you, my friend. It's Gabe Ramirez and Hub Arkish. Next for Anthony Heron, I am Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The Score